All these wonderful Christmas lights are just enhance the season and give such wonderful inspiration to us. The prophet said, they that have walked in the darkness have seen a great light. That metaphor of light and dark. Dark means ignorance. Dark means enslavery. Dark means bondage. Dark means all kind of bad things. But light, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus is that salvation experience, that, that mystery that God was manifest in the flesh. That there was a Christmas. That's the mystery of godliness. So the Bible said, and now we have all been made to partake of that glorious mystery that is in our hearts. Christ in us, the hope of glory. We found out last week that we are the 42nd generation. And what is that 42nd generation? Those in whom Christ has been formed in them. Or the church of the living God. That mystical union of people, hearts, souls, washed in the blood, names in the Lamb's book of life, regenerated, new creatures in Christ Jesus who make up the body of Christ in this world. And this Christmas morning or this Christmas season, we're looking for another Advent. We're looking for another coming of Jesus, aren't we? I know I love that old song, when he comes this time, he won't have to die for me. When he comes this time, there won't be a Calvary. But this next time he comes, it will be joy eternally. For the next time he comes, he's coming for me. Praise God. What a wonderful thought that is to know that there's a, a past to celebrate. There's a present to celebrate and rejoice. And there's a future to put our hopes and put our faith in. That God is something for us in the future. And a wonderful another advent. The Bible tells us that Jesus, after an episode with which we're all very familiar in John 8, it's about the adulterous woman. And she was brought by scribes and Pharisees unto Jesus, thrown down at his feet, and said, this woman was taken in the very act. Moses said, stone her. What do you say to do with her? And you know the episode. He knelt down and began writing on the, the, the ground and he rose and he knelt down and rode again. And, and after his, his accusers of uh, this woman walked away, the Bible said convicted in their own conscience. They walked away. And Jesus said, where are your accusers? She said, I don't have any. Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. And that brings us to our verse today that I, I want us to read. John chapter 8 verse 12. And again Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but he will have the light of life. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but he will have the light of life. Praise God. Aren't you glad you discovered that beautiful light of God's grace and God's love and the person of Jesus that is in you and walks with you and that song says and talks with me along life's narrow way that Jesus is a very real presence in every one of us he indwells us we are in him and he is in us what a wonderful thought that 
If any man has the light of life, he will never walk in darkness. It's not God's will. The scripture says, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant, as the Bible says in Thessalonians. God doesn't want you to be in the dark. God wants you to know him. And God wants you to have a relationship with him. Paul said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. How do you know him today? Do you know him in weakness and frailty? Or do you know him in power? Do you know him in defeat or do you know him in victory? Do you know him in absence or do you know him as a presence in your life every day? Is he with you? Is he a friend that sticks closer than a brother? Is he one who comforts you when you're sad and disconsolate? Is he one who encourages you when you're discouraged? Is he one who heals you when you need healing? Is he one who bears your burden when you can't take any more? Is he the one that shines the light when you're obscured and all kinds of dark things around you? Does he bring light to you? Is there a presence in your life, a light that is the light of life? For you, that every day you draw strength. No wonder the psalmist said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. While he is the light of salvation, he also is the light of your life. Wow. In fact, in John's gospel, chapter 1, the Bible said, he is the light that lights every man that cometh into the world. The light that lights everyone. That means that God has put something in every person that lights every man that comes into the world. There is a light. John the Baptist said, I'm not that light. I just came to bear witness of that light. I I came to be a forerunner to announce that he's coming. I'm not that light. But he, the one who is the light, when he comes... Oh, when he comes, when Christmas morning comes, when he comes, uh, you may be in darkness now, but when he comes, you may be in bondage now, but when he comes, you may be in all kind of dilemma now, but when he comes, when he comes, he will praise the Lord, bring deliverance to the captives. He will bring recovery of the sight to the blind. He will open the doors of prisons and let people escape the awful and of tyranny and bondage, he will give to everyone a peace that passes understanding and a joy that is unspeakable. I'm not that light, but I just came to bear witness that that light is on its way. And when Christmas comes, things are going to change. Oh, if the devil could have killed him while he was a baby. The devil put into the heart of a Pharaoh one time to kill babies so that a savior named Moses wouldn't lead God's people out. And an evil man named Herod tried to kill babies, trying to stamp out redemption and to keep, prevent, keep, uh, keep God from allowing the light to shine into our darkness and to dispel our darkness. But what a wonderful, wonderful triumph of victory it is that death, praise the Lord, though the threat was there, death could not kill him and the grave could not hold him. Praise God, he he died a sacrificial death for every one of us. And it's all because they that walked in darkness have seen a great light. Now, these Pharisees and and scribes and Pharisees that were all around him, they tried to trick him by saying to him, you you bear witness and you, 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 
not of yourself. And, and Jesus said, I am a representative of my Father. My Father sent me into this world. And I don't do anything. And he just said before, he said, my, my record is true and my testimony is true. And they said, it's not true if you keep up this thing of saying you're the Son of God. Amen. But Jesus, praise the Lord, announced if any man does not have this light, if any man does not have this, this knowledge, I have come from the Father to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God to people who, who want that. Now, he wasn't doing miracles at this time. He was teaching at this time. And he made it into the temple and was in the temple when this problem arose with this adulterous woman. And he was trying to deal with the darkness that was in the hearts of religious people. Darkness in religious people. Yes, he came unto his own and his own received him not. They tried to mark Christmas Day off of their calendar. They said, we don't want any of this Christmas stuff. We're looking for an emancipator. We're looking for a, a, a general to ride in here on a white horse. We're looking for a kingdom that's going to come and we're going to drive out these Romans and drive out these, this taxation and get this yoke of bondage off of us. And we're going to, at one time, we're going to take over what the Romans are doing now, we're going to do. It was a very carnal thing and a carnal perception. We want the power that the Romans have now. It was envy. They were saying, we want what you've got. And God has promised us that when our Redeemer comes, when our Emancipator comes, when our Messiah comes, that he's going to allow us to take over. And that was their concept. So Jesus, who claimed to be the Son of God, the babe that was born in Bethlehem's manger, the light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world was a very, very controversial figure to them. And they could not accept that, that God was made flesh and walked among us. But John started his gospel by saying in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The 14th verse of the first chapter says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. So that if Jesus is that Word made flesh, then here He is in this contradiction of sinners, as it were, and He says to them, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but he will have the light of life. You see, I want that to happen here today. I said, I want that to happen right here today. I want those of you that come to this service not entirely, totally given to the Lord Jesus and totally accepting of Him. I want this teaching, this message, this Word of God, just like Jesus preached it that day. And the Bible said the result of it was, and many of them believed. And many, that's what I want to happen here. I, I, that's what I want to happen this morning at Harvest, is, is that somebody who's not totally convinced that Jesus is the Savior, that Jesus can touch my life and change my life and turn things around for me, that they could come to that, hallelujah, that conclusion today, that, that this word that is being taught, when Jesus taught that word, many of them believe, the Bible said. And that's what I want to happen. The Bible said they had revival in Nineveh when Jonah preached, and the Bible said, and they believed. 
And when they believe, the greatest revival that is ever recorded in the Bible is a whole city. Everybody from the king to the cows in the stall and the dogs at the door, everybody got saved. Wouldn't that be a headline in the newspaper today? Breaking news, CNN, all of Anniston, Alabama, was saved in one day. What a revival. What a revival that would be. You're talking about things changing. Oh, it, it put a lot of folks out of business. I said it would put a lot of folks out of business. Talk about things changing. You'd see for sale signs going up on the door of bars and taverns. Down at the distributing company that distributes beverages, you'd see out of business, going out of business. At all the night spots and the places of lewdness and lasciviousness, you'd see out of business. Owner saved. Owner saw the light. Owner believed the gospel. Owner changed by the grace of God. Owner regenerated a brand new person. Christ Jesus has come into his heart, no longer in business. What if everybody, wouldn't it be something that, Randall, when you go down there on Thursday nights, Carlos, when you go there on Thursday nights, wouldn't it be something if every prisoner in the whole jail got saved in one night? Pastor, you were dreaming. You got in the eggnog. Something's the matter with you. That is not going to happen. Well, it happened in God's Word. And it happened when an obedient person who had to learn obedience finally made it to where God told him to go and began preaching what God told him to preach. And God wonderfully honored His Word postponed judgment and saved a whole city. The king shut up the animals and said, there's going to be a fast. We're going to fast to try our best to get this judgment postponed and get it later. You see, later on, several hundred years later, that prophecy came true. Nineveh was destroyed. But you need to realize all prophecy is true. But God just postponed it because they did something that changed things. The Bible said the king heard the preaching. Wouldn't it be great if the king heard the preaching? Wouldn't it be something if the senate heard the preaching? Wouldn't it be something if the governors heard the preaching? Wouldn't it be something if legislators heard the preaching? Wouldn't it be something if God could take the light and shine the light on. They that walked in darkness have seen a great light. If God could just turn that light on. And who did he say are the children of light? That person that's glad she sat by you today. We're the children of the day. We're not the children of the night. We're the children of the day. 
Amen. Children of the night, they don't know what's going on. But children of the day, they know, hallelujah, the truth. Because God has let them in on the news. And let them in on the secret concerning the light. Jesus is the light of life. And he lights every man that cometh into the world. And therefore, you're the children of light and the children of the day. Therefore, Christmas is every day to you. I was going to say this morning, I wish that there was a Christmas day in every month. I wish once a month there was a Christmas day that all of the world would stop and consider that unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. I wish there was... But you know what? I wish every day could be a Christmas day. I believe for the children of light, every day is a Christmas morning. I believe that for people that know the light and have seen the light and walk in the light as he is in the light and have fellowship one with another, recognize every day is a day to celebrate the lordship of Jesus and that a Savior has come that saves from sin. Can you give God a hand for that? Every day, every day, every day ought to be a Christmas day. I want great things to happen, and it's got to happen like it happened for Nineveh, that the people believe the preaching of Jonah. Brother, when they believe the preaching, what comes, happens when uh, the word is preached? Faith comes by and hearing by the So then it all initiates with the word of God. It initiates with the word of God. It might some, seem sometimes we get distracted and all of those things prey in upon us. But Jesus seven times in this passage states that he has come from the Father. He says, what I claim is that I speak from God and I speak for God and I speak as God. I don't testify to any autonomous human greatness, he said. What I claim and all I say and do is that I am. I am one with God, the great I am of the Exodus. Unless you believe, Jesus says, that I am the one that is sent from the Father, you will die in your sins. Wow. Unless you believe that I am sent from the Father, then you will die in your sins. Unless you believe that I am the gift of God, unless you believe that I am the light that lights every man that comes in the world, unless you believe that I am the light of life, then you'll die in your sins. Boy, that's pretty profound, isn't it? That Jesus just comes right up front and says, it's me or nothing. Jesus says, I am the way. He didn't say, I am one of the ways. He just said, I am the way. I know Oprah says there's many ways to God, many ways to heaven, many ways to uh, have relationship with Him, that Christianity is just one way. Well, that is a lie from the pit of hell. There is only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Neither is there salvation in any other but at the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus. You see, that's the one thing. And I, I can't change that. That's God's eternal announcement. That Jesus is the way, the truth, 
and the life. Not Buddha. Not Confucius. Not Muhammad. Not Islam. Jesus is the way. And he says very plainly here, if you don't believe that and you won't accept that, then you'll die in your sins. That's about the heaviest thing I know Jesus ever said. That if you don't believe what I'm telling you, then you're just going to be lost in your sins. That if you don't accept the truth, the light that I am shining in your direction right now, if you don't accept that light, he says, then there's no hope for you. You'll die in your sins. Wow, that's pretty laying it on the line, isn't it? And you know, as much as we would like to kind of soften the gospel, as much as we would like to make it more acceptable, one of the criticisms that, that others make of Christians and make of, of people who have this light is that you're so exclusionary that you exclude all other means of going to heaven. Well, I'm sorry, but Jesus didn't give us any other way. Excuse me for saying I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm proud that Jesus gave us the answer we needed to hear. He didn't mess around with us. He just came right up front and looked us in the eye and said, I am come from the Father. I am God's gift. I am his ray of sunshine. Hallelujah. I am the Father's heart of love in your direction manifested. I am the one that is sent from God for the purpose of accomplishing redemption. I am come to seek and save that which is lost. Why are you seeking for lost people, Jesus? Because that's the reason I came into the world. When Paul was asked about that very matter, he said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Wow, he just nailed it and said Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Wow, that's his supreme objective. That is the, at the head of the list of why Jesus came. Number one, to save sinners. To save sinners. And I'm so glad that he put it that way. And he says, just simply says to us, that if you don't accept that and you don't believe that, then you'll die in your sins. Christmas or Halloween, however you want it to be. You can go with all them other devils and all the things that scare you to death. Or you can go with Christmas. What a great sermon. Thank you, God, for dropping that in. I'll write that down and I'll work on that. Christmas or Halloween, which one do you accept? Do you believe? I want to stand up on my tiptoes and say, Christmas! Because that light of God's life and love has shined in my heart 
And I thank God that I have a relationship with the Father because of that light. Because that light is so consistent that the Father and the Son are as lights that shine forth into our hearts. The Bible says every good gift and every perfect gift, don't you hope you get one this time? Think about it. What would be a perfect gift for you? Well, I kind of like those new shoes I saw over there the other day and I told Rocky about where they were and what they cost and I hope he had sense enough to know I was telling him what I want for Christmas. <laughs> well, I told Drew where that bracelet was over there and I, I told him how much it was and where it was at. I hope he got the perfect gift for me for Christmas. Well, Miss Kim told me, says Demetrius, what she'd like to have and what she'd been looking at and a perfect gift for her, she's already told me what it was. So what would be a perfect gift for you? Chris, what would be a perfect gift for you? Perfect gift. What would be a perfect gift for you this Christmas? Every good, and then we kind of escalate up and get to perfect. Now you'll probably get some things good, may not get many of those perfect ones, that when you open it, I know I hear you holler, perfect, but you're a hypocrite. <laughs> those socks ain't one that got you, look like they go on Bozo the Clown, <laughs> and you look, open them up, you say, oh, perfect. Thank you, thank you so much. Just what I wanted. And then you get in the car and tell your wife, I can't believe she gave me those ungodly socks. <laughs> Wouldn't wear them to a dog fight. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of... You mean there is a... Supreme light, that's not the mother of all lights, the father of all lights, one that supersedes and outshines them all. You mean there's one that is greater than all others and that every good and every perfect thing that is given to me is given to me. It comes down to me from this great person who is the father of lights, but if somebody ought to stood up on your shoe heels and danced a little jig, say, praise God that I've got a benefactor, that I've got someone that loves to give good things to me, that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And that he, everything good and everything perfect that comes to my life, my family, my home, my car, my job, every good thing. But the most perfect gift that God ever sent down to me was his son Jesus because he's perfect for me. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness. 
neither shadow of turning. Well, you know, with our God, there is no limitation. We live in this Milky Way, this galaxy that we're in, and we've got this light source called the sun, and so we call it the solar system. And there are times in the northern hemisphere when we're tilted one way, and it's winter, and the days are short. In a few months, we'll go to this solstice day in a few days here, it's 21st, and we'll start tilting back the other way. And the southern hemisphere will have winter, and we will have summer. And as the earth tilts back and forth in its nearness and distance from the sun, it has longer days and warmer days and colder days and shorter days depending upon the tilt of the earth. While it's winter here, it's summer in Australia because they're down under, you know. But this great light, this father of lights, he never tilts. There's no variableness in him. There's no time when he changes to longer to shorter or shorter to longer. There's no time when days are warmer than they are on other days. In other words, he doesn't change. He stays consistent. His grace is always at our asking. His benevolence, his kindness, his ability to deliver, his anxiousness to hear, all of those great attributes about our God, there's no variableness in him. Seasons don't change with him. Nothing changes with our great God. He is from eternity to eternity our great God. From yesterday to all of my tomorrows, he is the same. He will not change in his grace. He'll not change in his love. He'll not change in the ability of his blood to wash us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And there's no shadow with him. Because sometimes when the, our earth, which is turning as it tilts, it uh, we go to the dark side and we call it night because we're living in a shadow. Oh, the sun's still shining. We're just on the shadow side of the earth. But with our God, there is no shadow of turning. There is no night. He is one eternal day. He always shines. You can call him at 3 o'clock in the morning and he'll be up and he'll hear your cry. You can call on him at 4 o'clock in the morning while it's dark where you are, but it's light where he is. It may be dark and dismal where you're on the shadow of things, but with him there's no variableness and there's no shadow of turning. Praise God. His light always shines. It's not brighter at one time than it is at another time. What he does for one, he'll do for another because he shines on everybody. He's no respecter of persons because his light lights every man that comes into the world. He is the light of life and nobody need walk in the darkness because Jesus Christ is our light and he's with us and in us. Can you give God some praise for that?
What a great metaphor that is. Jesus is the light of life. The Father, there's no variableness. In Him, there is no variableness. When He said, let there be light, and the Bible said, and there was light. There was light. Can you believe that in the beginning, it was just one eternal day? Praise God. When he said, let there be light. But when he suspended earth and hung it out there on nothing. I said, he hung it out there on nothing and said, stay there. And when he set things in order and set the planets and their boundaries and the drew in his finger, hallelujah, the boundaries of all things, all creation. And he said the night, the darkness he would call the night, and the day he would call light, he would call day. Praise God. He created this earth, you know. But with God, when he created us in that garden, he created us in such a way that we would have one eternal day with him. That we'd live in perpetual health. That we would always be well. We'd never have to rest. Because we didn't get tired. Never have to go to an infirmary or a hospital because we never got sick. Didn't have to report in late for work because we didn't work except to pick fruit off trees. How in the world did we mess that up? Talk about having it made. Talk about paradise. And we were stupid enough to mess that up. I sometimes say when people ask, talk with me about Satan and the devil, I say, why are you listening to him? He was stupid enough. He got kicked out of heaven. <laughs> he was where you're wanting to be and was crazy enough to get kicked out and you're going to take advice from him? I don't want advice from somebody stupid enough to get kicked out of heaven. <laughs> Sorry, that just slipped out. All things were made by Jesus. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In him was life, and the life of Jesus was the light of men. Wow. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And that was the true light which lighteth every man that comes into the world. John 1 and 9. Therefore, if I walk in that light as he is in that light, I have fellowship with God, and I have fellowship with other brothers and sisters. And the blood, somebody say the blood. How is the blood connected to the light? If I walk in the light, the blood. If I walk in the light, the blood. Well, now, Jesus, we're talking about light and dark. How did blood get into this? The fact that the blood of Jesus, without the remission, the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So if you're going to have the light... And you've got to have the blood. We walk in the light. As he is in the light, we have fellowship and the blood. That desire to walk in the light 
introduces into our lives the blood, the blood of Jesus. Walking in the light as he is in the light and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son. Why have I got to admit he's the Son of God? Because he said you'd die in your sins if you didn't. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. So walking in the light puts you in alignment and position to allow the redemptive blood of Jesus to wash the sin out of your life. Being washed in the blood is compatible with walking in the light. Compatible. In other words, it goes together. So if you're going to tell me there's another way, then my light that I walk in won't allow anything else but the blood of Jesus. The light that I walk in has no other cleansing, has no other redemptive power but the blood of Jesus. You know, I... Come on, Connor, and help me quit. You know, I read about religions. On one of the trips that I went with Gene Rice and some of those folks, if you ever go to India, you will be so overwhelmed by the masses of people. Almost a fourth of the world's population in India. They're Hindu. It's not unusual to see cows going through marketplaces. They just have free rape because they believe they're a god of some kind. One of the most pitiful instances that I observed while there was a man on his all fours pushing a rock. And he was on his way to Mecca and felt like the only way that he could please his God was to crawl and push that stone all the way there. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine so much darkness? Can you imagine a place so dark that they offer human sacrifices trying to please their God? There are places in the world where that happens. Can you imagine that in countries not that far from where we are. There's all kinds of efforts to please the gods. In Haiti, you can see all kind of Satanism. You can see all kind of black magic. You can see all kind of demonology. Darkness, darkness all over the world. But I want to tell you, There's a light whose name is Jesus. And that light protrudes into the darkness. We used to sing the old song, Send the light, the blessed gospel light. Let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light. Send the light. When I was a kid, they used to sing an old song, There's a light guiding me. I can see heaven's glory. And it holds me steadfast in his way and his love. It's guiding me through temptation and evil. 
There's a light guiding me to that heaven above. And that light has a name. And I think if I ask you, you could tell me who his name is. That light that's guiding me, that's taking me through temptation and evil, that light that's guiding me to heaven. What is his name? He is the light that lights every man that comes into the world. Stand with me. Praise God. Before Debbie left and went back to work, she'll be home Friday. Hallelujah. She'll be home Friday. She put up three Christmas trees. Yeah. (laughs) I should say we put up three Christmas trees. And one of them she put in there and she said, I can't get these lights to burn on this thing. That's a typical occurrence at my house. Somehow from one year to the next year, Charles, my lights don't make it. And I try, I bet I spent four hours trying to get those lights to burn. And she told me you got to do them in sequence. You got to plug this one up first, then that one. I tried every combination in the world and those stupid things wouldn't come on. And I hear Ella Grace say, Papa, we don't say stupid. I couldn't get them to burn. I tried everything. I said, well, it's these lights. And I, I got online. I found out that they have those lights, that every plug, every strand that plugs into the master has got a fuse in it. I never knew that. Did you know that? You knew that every one of those plugs had a, well, why didn't you tell me? They got a fuse in them. And they said, you can go to places that sell lights and you'll find fuses that go in those things. And the reason they won't burn is the fuse. Ding, 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 ding. So I said, well, I'll just go over at Lowe's and I'll find one of those things. So, and I was not about to ask anybody to help me. I am smart enough that I can find they're about that big. Little old bitty things. And... I looked and I looked. I bet I spent the better part of an hour in different places and never did find them and went to the garden because the theft's out in the garden center. It's not over there where it's supposed to be with lights. Of course not. That makes too much sense. So I look all over there and and finally other customers were there. I said, do you know where there's any fuses at? Fuse? What do you mean a fuse? I said, these things have got fuses in them. I promise you. Well, I've never heard of anybody having a fuse in one of them things. You sure they got fuse? He said, well, if you'd find anything like that, it would be over there on that rack over there with batteries and that kind of stuff. Okay. So I go over there and spend more time. And you know what I finally did? I just went and bought me a new string of lights. And I just said, hey, I'm not messing with that. No more had it, all the stress, all that junk. I've had it with that. I'll just go get a new one. And that's what I did. And don't you tell her. Because she thinks I fixed it. And what she don't know won't bother her. She'll go right on with that. She finally, she said, well, what are we going to put up on top of that? And I said, oh, 
Anything will do. You don't need anything. By that time, I was exasperated. Three trees, you're out by then, you know. Who cares? Put a scarecrow up there. Do anything. And she had this gaudy old-looking star. And she said, put that up there on top. I want to see how that, I said, well, I can tell you right now, it ain't going to look good. Well, put it up there. I want to see it. I said, you don't need to see it. You can see it right here. I'll hold it up for you like this. It's about that high right there. About like that. How's it look from there? She said, awful. I said, well, that's why I would look up there. So just don't worry about it. She said, no, I want to see it on the tree. So I get the ladder, go up the ladder, put it on the tree. She said, well, it needs something. I don't know what it needs. I said, no, it don't. It don't need anything. It's fine. It's all right. People in the driveway and going down the street, they can't tell if it's got anything on top of it or not. It don't matter. Well, it matters to me. I want something on top of it. I hope you don't have that kind of chaos at your home putting up Christmas trees. I'm sure it's uh, unique to us alone. I'm sure. I'm sure it is. But there's one thing that I know for sure. This light of Jesus, he never burns out. You don't ever have to replace him. You don't ever have to get, go get another one. He's durable. He'll last forever. He's so bright that he shines brighter than any other light you could find. And he's perfect right on top. He's perfect. I hope your efforts to have lighting at your Christmas is more successful than mine. As long as you remember that Jesus is the light that lights everything and everyone. Amen. Thank you, God, for allowing us to be in your house this Christmas season on this Lord's Day. Thank you for all the wonderful things that you've brought down to us, good things and perfect gifts from time to time. The perfect gift is Jesus. And we love you, Lord, because of those good gifts that come down from the Father of lights. Bless, O oh Lord, our people as we go from this place. Give us an enjoyable time with our family and friends today. And just keep us safe from harm and danger. And give us a great, great Christmas together. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 Praise God. Go in peace and go with God.